Uh, well, guys, I can't believe this, but it is, it is week four of our series, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And so in week four, one of the things that we're going to talk about is really where all this came from. Um, so, so where did this second greatest commandment come from? When, when the teachers of the law tried to question Jesus and they said, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.4. But when he says, and the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. Where does that come from? Well, this morning, I want to go back to where it comes from. I want to go back to the very first time this is commanded, and that is in the book of Leviticus. I'll put it on the screen for you. It's Leviticus 19.18, and the Word of God says this. It says, don't take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord. Let me say that one more time. It says, do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so there's three things I just want to share with you very quickly this morning about that, in, that particular verse. And so here's the first. I, I think we need to understand this. According to this text, people will hurt us, especially those close to us. Okay, let me personalize that for you. People will hurt you especially those close to you, right? Especially those close to you. So if we look really closely at Leviticus 19, 18, the first thing we see is, is that God's saying, hey, don't take revenge and don't hold a grudge against who? Against people in your community, right? In your community. That means people uh, next to you, a.k.a. your neighbor. He says, listen, don't uh, take revenge and don't hold a grudge against people in your neighborhood. Why does God say that? Because he knows that the people that are closest to us are likely those that are going to cause us harm. And, and in fact, science is, is actually caught up with what the Bible says here. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a professor, a doctor of psychology at Georgia uh, Regents University. Her name is Deborah Richardson. And this is what she says. She says, the people who are likely to cause us harm of any sort, are likely going to be people we know. We're more likely to be aggressive to the people we know and love the most, not strangers, whether that's because we spend the most time with them or because our relationships with them are more significant, are more significant. So I just kind of want to start here with this truth. I think, why does God say, why, why didn't God just say, uh, here's the second greatest commandment, love your neighbors, so why does God first start and say, hey, hey, listen, don't take revenge and don't hold a grudge against anyone in, in your community. Why does God tell us that before he says, love your neighbor? Well, he tells us that because he knows we're going to be hurt. And we're probably going to be hurt by those in close proximity to us. So that's where we begin, okay? That, that those uh, people will hurt us, especially those close to us. Second thing uh, I want you to see is, is this, guys. Because Jesus is our example, we must forgive those that hurt us, right? Because Jesus is our example, we must forgive those that hurt us. So there's two things we're told not to do before we're told to love our neighbor as ourselves. And one of the things we're told not to do is, is hold a grudge. God says, listen, don't hold a grudge against anyone in your community. Don't hold a grudge against your neighbor, but rather love your neighbor as yourself. Now, why? What does that mean? Right? That's what we talked about as a staff this week. We, we talked about this commandment. And, and somebody just asked, well, what exactly is a grudge? And so I thought I'd define it for you this morning. If, if you're one of those people like, what exactly is a grudge? I've heard that word used. Well, here's what a grudge is, guys. A, a grudge is when we hold offense against those who have wronged us. When we hold offenses against those who have wronged us. A simpler way to put it is, is that a grudge is a refusal to forgive someone. 
It's a refusal to forgive someone. So as a grudge is when somebody hurts me and I take it so personally that I'm like, nope, we're done. Nope. Like, like it just, nope, it's over. And, and, and so what I, I decide in my mind and my heart is what that person has done to me is so great that there's no way that I'll ever forgive. So I hold a grudge. That's what a grudge is. I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not getting over it. I'm not moving past it. I'm going to camp right here. Uh, so back in the Old Testament, you may remember in the book of Exodus that God takes His children out of Egypt and He's leading them to the Promised Land. Now, Along the way, God has a place picked out for them to camp. And the place that they're going to camp has 72 palm trees. It has springs of fresh water. But they come to a body of water called Mata. Now, Mata, was, they, they, they began to drink that water and it was bitter. And, and, and listen, they camped out in bitterness instead of going to the place that God wanted them to be. And that's what a grudge is. A grudge is mata. It's choosing to camp out in your hurt and in and, and, and your anger and you're just not going to leave that place. You're going to stay right there. That's what a grudge is. And, and, and so listen, uh, this is huge. If you're a Christian, what, what, let, if we break that down, the, the word Christian means little Christ. It means that Jesus is our example. If we're a Christian, then Jesus is our example. So let me ask you this. How did Jesus respond to his neighbors when they wronged him? Like, let's just think about that. How did Jesus respond to people in his community when he wronged them? Now listen, this is not a, a secret. Jesus says, I came to my people, I came to the Jews first. So Jesus came to the Jews first, preaching their need to repent and to believe in him so that they could go to heaven. Now they thought that they were Abraham's seed. They thought, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm a descendant, I'm a Jew, I'm good. Jesus shows up and says, no, no you're not. Right? The blood of goats and animals can't take away your sin. You need a perfect Savior. That's me. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that the Old Testament's been pointing to. You have to believe in me. And if you don't believe in me, you won't see my Father. Right? So this is like, woo! Now, Jesus says that to them. They reject it. His neighbors, his people reject him. And instead, they choose to murder him and to, to nail him to a cross. As he hangs on that cross, which, by the way, is worse than anything done to you. Can we just say amen to that? Okay. As he hangs on the cross, which is way worse than anything anyone's ever done to me, this is what he says about his neighbors. Ready? Uh, here, here it is. Um, Luke 23, 34. Jesus says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Right? This is our example. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. It's interesting, if you dig into the words that Jesus says, He says, forgive them, and why does He say forgive them? Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know anybody. You know, it's interesting this week, as I began to dig into this, why are we hurt by those closest to us, uh, some things started to pop out that surprised me. And, and so I want to go back to, to this doctor of psychology. Listen to what she says about this. Uh, she says, one of the challenges for even defining and studying aggression is asking how you look in someone's head to figure out what they intended to do. We ourselves aren't always conscious of what we intend to do. Let that sink in for a second. We're not even always conscious of what we intend to do. She goes on and says, one of the uh, aggressive people can be genuinely confused about the motivations behind their aggressive actions. Some of our aggressive behavior is not conscious. People don't really say to themselves, I'm really annoyed at this person, so now I'm going to spread rumors about them. Like That's not how it works. We just find ourselves doing it. Right? Does that sound familiar? 
that sometimes we do things to others that we don't even know that we're doing. That's what Jesus said from the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And guess what? God says the same thing of us. He says, listen, you've got to forgive them. Sometimes they don't even know. Like, do you always know when you're just lashing out at somebody? Hey, I'm usually halfway through the tirade before I figure it out. Amen? Anybody else? Just, I'm the only sinner? Okay, there's one of Jacob is sinning with me. Nobody else. Come on. Come on. Parents, you are liars. Liars, parents. I'm going to come back to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Sometimes we don't even know. I, I remember... Uh, I remember once I was disciplining a child of mine, and, uh, and back in the day, this is before we adopted. Now, when we adopted, our whole lives uh, changed because when you do foster care, you, you cannot have any corporal punishment in your house. You cannot spank a child that's uh, in foster care because many of those children have come out of abusive situations. My whole thought of parenting, because I just, I was, I was whooped, right? I mean, when I, when I, not often, because I was a perfect child. Hey, mom, you know that. Uh, and uh, she says it all the time. And so it was very rare, but I got it man and when I got it I got it and so I, I remember very early on that that's how I, I just like hey you're gonna get a spanking and we had a spanking spin and we did and I remember one time I had I had one of my kids was like nope you're not gonna and was just like refuse which made me matter and matter and matter and I'm like ripping the girl trying to get the arm out of the way she's looking and I, I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I was like I'm a demon man I'm a demon if my kid sees this look on on my face like they're not going hey dad loves me they're like he wants to murder me Right? I didn't know what I was doing in the moment. I was doing it. I was offended. I was hurt. But I didn't, I didn't until I caught a glimpse of myself, I didn't really know. And, and what I'm going to say, some of you have been deeply hurt by other people. And, and you came in this morning, and you might have even been hoping uh, along the line of this series that the pastor would not preach on forgiveness because you're like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there because you've been so hurt. Right? But what I'm saying to you is, what if that person, just like when you offend somebody else or hurt somebody else, what if they genuinely didn't have some master plan to get you? But it just happened. And, and somewhere in the process, they realize it, and, and, and like, you can't go back from there. Like, what if, just like Jesus, we need to be able to say, Father, forgive them, they didn't even know fully what they were doing. They didn't know when they said those words that they would cut me to the quick entirely. They didn't know my background. They didn't know, right? Okay? So, so we, we've got we've to start here. By the way, not only do we have to forgive because Jesus is our example, uh, he does say this in Matthew 6.15. He says, uh, if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. So I'm just throwing that out there too. Like if you want to just line that out, like why else should I forgive? If you've got a grudge, um, like so often, so uh, the, the number one question the pastor gets when somebody says, hey, can I meet with you? I'm like, sure, let's meet. They're like, um, I have a problem. I, I'm not hearing from God. Like that is the number one thing I talk to people about no lot. And so I'm like, what do you mean you're not hearing from God? Are you coming to church? Uh, like, there's a sermon. That's like, the Lord's trying to speak through that idiot on the stage. So that's one. Uh, like, are you reading your Bible? And uh, they're like, well, you know. And so, you know, like that's a thing. Hey, are you praying? These are all ways we hear and talk to God. And so I'll go through this checklist. And so if the person is coming to church and they are reading their Bible and they're praying and they still feel like they're not hearing from God, then I ask this fourth question, and I'm telling you, it's like deer caught in the headlights. I say, is there anyone in your life that you're holding a grudge against? And man, the room gets quiet, and the eyes get big, and I've had people go, well, why do you want to know about that? And I'm like, well, 
because the scripture says that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So I said, I'm going to tell you my interpretation of that. You can fully reject it. But I think whenever that time was that somebody hurt you and you refused forgiveness, I think the Lord, as you've been going, forgive me, God, forgive me, forgive me, I think the Lord's just kind of got a tab for you right now. And he's putting it on your tab, and he wants to talk to you about it, but your, your refusal to talk to him about your anger towards that person that hurt you, like he, he's just, he's, he's not forgiving you right now. You feel that distance right now. It's not that you're not saved. It's just that your fellowship with God is broken because you refused to forgive your brother, right? You've refused it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So that's the second thing we need to know because Jesus is our, our example. We must forgive those that hurt us. Lastly, guys, uh, I would say because we believe in God, we must trust him to repay the wrong uh, done against us. Because we believe in God, we must trust him to repay the wrong done against us. So, uh, God says two things before giving the great commandment. Uh, one, he says, don't hold a grudge. The other, he says, don't, uh, don't seek revenge, right? Don't, don't seek revenge. I'll quote it exactly. He says, do not take revenge. Don't take revenge. So why are we not supposed to take revenge? That's a good question. One is because it's not loving, right? I mean, he then says, and love your neighbors yourself. Uh, two is, is because we're not holy. We're not holy. So God's revenge is always perfect. When God says vengeance is mine, he, he, it's always perfect. I don't dole out uh, good vengeance. I just don't. I'm too emotional. Anybody else? Right? How, how many parents, this is the parent question I said to come back to you. How many of you have ever over-disciplined a child? Oh, come on. your kid did something and they lost their phone for three months. That's it. You can't have anything for three months. No TV for you. No electronics for you. No phone for you. No blah, 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 blah. Three days later, I'm like, oh gosh, what was I thinking? It's summer. Three months, I've just ruined summer. What I meant to say, what I meant to say, because we're emotional, right? And, and we're so offended, we're so hurt, that in that moment, man, we, we, we lose it. And so our, our, our repayment usually isn't right for one, okay? Uh, the, the, the big problem with that, though, is what we're doing, guys, is we're trying to take God's job away. Right? Listen to how Paul puts it in the book of Romans, chapter 12, 17, 19. He says, do not repay anyone for evil. He says, give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes, if possible, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. So don't take revenge because we've got to leave room for God to do His job. So what I'm saying to you is if you believe in God, then you have to ultimately believe He will do what He says He will do. Uh, many of you are, are on our church-wide Bible reading plan. I'm going to submit to you. If you're not, you need to get on it. And pretty soon we're wrapping up the book of Hebrews and we're going to start, uh, we're going to start jumping into... Um, the uh, minor prophets, and all summer long, we're going to read through the, the minor prophets, all of them, and, uh, and, and we're doing a summer series, a 12-week series, we're going to cover all the minor prophets, and we're going to do one book a week, 
So one book a week, Franklin gets to kick us off. What's up, Frank? Um, so he's going to kick us off on the 30th while I'm out on vacation. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, and so he'll, he'll knock out Hosea, and then we'll do, we'll do one book. And we're going to do, what's the big theme of this book? And that's what we're going to do. Uh, and, and you guys can read along with that. But if you were doing the Bible reading already, you, you may have run across this in Hebrews chapter 10, 28, and 29. And I'm, I'm totally going to paraphrase here. But God basically says, like, hey, listen, if, if, if God held the people of the old covenant under Moses accountable for their actions, right? For their rebellion, he held them accountable. If he did that with the old covenant, sealed with the the blood of of goats and animals, how much greater will he hold the people accountable who live under the new covenant of Jesus, his own son who was sacrificed for their sins, right? I just need to tell you this. Those of you that are like, oh, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get them back. I've got to figure it out. They've got to pay justice. Listen, I, I've been there, man. I feel you. Just, just want justice. You can't get them as good as God will. You can't. The Bible says that all men and women will stand before God and give account one day for every, even every word and thought we've had. There is nothing that's going to go on. I know you're thinking, but God, they're getting away with it. No, they're not. No, they are not. Everyone will be held accountable for what they've done. If I believe in God, I have to believe in that. Right? If you believe in heaven, you've got to believe in this. You've got to. So you've got to act like it. We've got to leave room for God's vengeance. So what do we do with that? How do we apply that message as we continue to learn to love our neighbor? Three things very quickly. Number one, we understand that we will be hurt by people close to us. It's just going to happen. Like It's a fact of life. The people closest to you are going to hurt you. And guess what? As Christians, one of the things we talk about is community, right? And so the more we do life together, the more we get together, like other Christians are going to hurt you. It's going to happen. It's just like it's, it's accidental. Almost. Like I, I didn't intend. It was just, we do life together. Like it's going to happen. I'll say something that offends you if I haven't already. I think I do that on a weekly basis, right, from the pulpit. It doesn't count here. But in person, like at some point, I'll, I, like I'm totally capable of putting my foot in my mouth all the time. All the time. Like, it's, it's doable. Like, the more that we spend time together, the more that the chance of me hurting you is there because that's what happens in life. And you know what? It's okay because you do it back. Like, it's, it's the way life works, right? It's the way life works. So I've got to understand that. If you have an unreal expectation that no one should ever hurt you, you're going to be the most miserable person on the face of the planet. For real. Listen, I hate to tell, like I'm going to drop a little truth bomb on you. Ready? Here it goes. You hurt people all the time. You don't realize it, but you do. You'll say something that cuts at them. Like, like you, you don't even realize it. You judge people all the time. Uh, you, you say little comments that are demeaning to people all the time. Like you do it every day. You just don't catch yourself doing it. You don't even recognize. You're not even conscious of when you do it. Right? That's, that's what God's bringing our attention to. Like, like, hey, we've got to be like Jesus. We've got to forgive. Why? Because forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So we, we're, we're capable. So just know, understand you are going to be hurt by those close to you. And forgive them just as you would want them to forgive you. Okay? Number two uh, gets to the forgiveness part. Forgive those who hurt you. Forgive those who hurt you. Now, anytime I preach on forgiveness, it's always important for me to say this. Um, People sometimes hear me preach on forgiveness and they think, oh my gosh, that means that I've got to open myself back up to great harm. 
right? And so I, I think it's important when we talk about forgiveness that we say this, that forgiveness and reconciliation are not necessarily synonymous, okay? Forgiveness and reconciliation are not necessarily synonymous. They don't always go together. Forgiveness primarily is between you and God. It's you saying, God, I give up the hurt. God, I give up the anger. Uh, and, and what it does is it actually frees you. Say, God, I'm not, I, I'm going to give that person to you. I'm going to trust them. The Bible actually says that we start to uh, bless those that hurt us. Uh, so, so we start to pray for those that persecuted us. Like, so we're going to pray for our enemies. We're going to love. So, so that ha- I give that person over to the Lord. And, and the hurt I give to the Lord. And, and I'm free now, right? So that's forgiveness. But reconciliation is different. Reconciliation is when that person now comes back into that place place in my life. And there are some people out there, they think, well, you've forgiven me, then why, why aren't we hanging out all the time again? Well, because reconciliation depends on repentance and, and, and earn trust again. And those things take time, right? So you have a best friend, and let's say that uh, you gave them access to your bank account for something. You know, you're going to do a little transfer, and you're like, oh yeah, here's my account number, just go ahead and take out 20 bucks. That, may, that better be a good friend, right? And so that good friend, all of a sudden, you get a note from the mortgage company saying insufficient funds. And you say insufficient funds, and you go track it down. That good friend paid her mortgage out of your bank account. That's called stealing, by the way. Uh, that is a crime. They can go to jail. And, uh, and, and, you know, hey, Romans 13 says every authority has been placed over us by God himself. So I'm just saying, you, you probably have to call the mortgage company say that. Uh, unlawful transaction, like all that will have to happen. Uh, there will be consequences. Now, here's the deal. That person, when I can say, hey, I forgive you, man, I forgive you. Like, I've, I've given it to the Lord. I'm praying for you. I pray the Lord actually blesses you. Uh, but, but is that person ever going to have access to my account again? Like, and, 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 hey, I, I asked the Lord to forgive you, so hop on in. Come on over. Here, here's the new numbers. There's my new password. You're not going to do that. Why? Because you'd be dumb. Right? That would be dumb, right? In the same way, when somebody, uh, there's abuse. I forgive that person. I, 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 unless there's repentance, and there's genuine change, there's been counseling, and, there's been, like, and, and that person may still not have the same level of access they had before. And that is okay. And that's not unforgiving, by the way. That's called wisdom. It's called wisdom. So it's just important we say those things. Now, I, don't use that to hold a grudge. St. Patrick says don't hold a grudge, okay? So you've got to work that out. Tension in Scripture is healthy. It's healthy, okay? Third thing. Third thing we've got to do. And then I will wrap up. We have to trust God to avenge the wrong done to us. We have to trust God. God, uh, if we, listen, I, I say this a lot. If we trust God for eternity, we have to trust Him for today. And I, I have to trust God. God's going to take, if God is who He said He is, He's going to take care of it, e- even if I can't see it. Even if I can't see it. So that is the key. You are never going to love your neighbor as you love yourself if you're constantly trying to get back at them or you're constantly holding a grudge against them. You can't live out the second greatest commandment and the world will know that we are his disciples by our love. By our love. That's how it works. All right? Let me pray for you. Father, uh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Help us love our neighbors well. God, help us love our neighbors well. One of the keys to that, or two of the keys to that, is, is, is uh, stop trying to take vengeance in our own hands, um, God, and, and, and stop holding grudges. Lord, uh, many of us in this room, that's where we are today. We've got um, something 
in our hearts, even as we're at home. We've got something in our hearts. We're, we're angry towards someone we haven't let go. Maybe um, somebody's hearing these words right now, and they're the person I talked about that comes to my office so often. They feel distant from you. And this morning they've heard the reason for that distance is unforgiveness. God, today, let them release that person to you and trust that you will deal with them. Let them know that that doesn't mean that that person automatically jumps back in and is reconciled to the place they used to be, and that's healthy, that's wise. And God, I pray that you would help us be the kind of people that love well, forgive well. In your name we ask these things. All God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen.